welcome to Talking Flutes and a very happy new year to you all. I'm here at home with John Paul Rice again. Hello Claire, happy Hello. new year everybody. Yep, and uh, did you have a good Christmas? Oh it was wonderful. It was more than I could expect with regards to relaxation and chilling. Did you finish your puzzle? No. Oh. I didn't finish it but the kids finished it okay. for me. Um, Pete's with me this today, he's sort of keeping keeping guard isn't he so if you hear panting that's Pete that's Pete <laughs> he's not leaving you alone he's not <laughs> and that's the thing you come down here and it's a, it's a working household isn't it you, you and your two Labradors retrievers do you know I only get shot aren't yeah. I two retrievers two retrievers um what we've got on the, on the agenda this week we've had some questions in haven't we a couple more questions how sorry you... I'm sorry I'm, I'm going to interject here how was your Christmas oh it was, yeah, was absolutely was so wonderful how rude of me that's quite okay. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Very relaxing. We ate lots of gorgeous food. Saw lots of people, so it was it was lovely. Thank you very much. And you started the new year with a plum, have you? And a plum uh, with great joy <laughs> and motivation. Yes. And yeah, yeah. I think that the new year is a great time to sort of start afresh and um, think about doing something different. Uh, to remind me that last year I talked about creativity. Yes, you did. I wonder if any of the listeners used any of the ideas I talked about. So I was talking about, uh, you know, what what is creativity, mm. uh, and and the dictionary says it's the use of imagination or original ideas to create something, or phenomenon where something new, something valuable is formed, or the act of turning new and imaginative imag- imaginative ideas, I can't speak, into reality. So yeah. Having some new ideas and making them come to some sort of fruition. As we as musicians, we we need to be creative. And being individual also is, is of such importance. We don't want to be clones of anybody else. No, we want to have our so own individual identities, have our own unique voice. I'd hate to think of anyone being a clone of me. Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and, and also, I would, I would hope that more of us will think about how we make music rather than just the technical aspect of, of flute playing, the emotion, the communication, uh, moving people. Uh, there are a lot of very accomplished technicians out in the flute world, but for me, not so many performers who have the ability to move the audience or create an emotional effect in their audience. So my message really is don't get distracted by technique and playing everything as fast or as loud as possible. Think about your musical communication. And it's never too late to actually take those as new foundation points. And what better than at the big start of a brand new year? Yeah, absolutely. New year, new ideas, new thoughts. Make a list. What are your goals? What What would you like to achieve? There's, um, you know, we haven't, I haven't uh, used the analogy of golf for months. No. Oh, I'm going to use it now. Go on. Uh, <laughs> Rory McIlroy, yes. who's uh, the, the number two player in the world. I read recently that at the end of every golfing year, he makes a list of what he's achieved and he makes a list of what he'd like to achieve for the coming year. Right. And then he puts that away, doesn't look at it until the end of the next year. Ah. And then he looks at it and s- to see whether those New Year thoughts have come to fruition. And... We could do the same thing. So it might be, do you want to practice a little more, go to more concerts, learn a new piece, do an exam, you know, make a new music group, 
Could be anything. But have a little sort of a, a wish list and then tuck that away and look at it next New Year's Day. Could be a, a, a new sort of tradition for New Year's Day or New Year's Eve maybe. Mm. Do you know, I would never, because I don't try and look too far ahead because my my New Year's resolution, I don't do New Year's resolutions because I used to do them, but I'm one of the guilty ones that breaks them really quickly. And as soon as I break them once, I can't sort of go back in and start them again oh, right, because okay. it sort of stopped. So I try not to look too far ahead and sort of just sort of plan in short-term chunks. But as musicians, you can't always do that because you've got to have aims and objectives. And your lovely dogs were fascinated with me today. They are, they are nudging you the whole time. They are. I think they've, they've they had an early walk, they've had a long sleep, and um, now they're bored and they want you to entertain them. Uh, oh, I can certainly entertain <laughs> dogs. I can certainly entertain dogs. But no, it's a very good idea just to... Um, you know, I, I could be tempted to do that, and I might do that when I get home. How many things would you just, just write something in an envelope yeah, and to revisit? random. Random number. But, you know, sometimes you get to the end of the year and you think... You know, I never did X, Y, or Z. I wish I'd done something. And um, so just write it down and tuck it away. But then try and think about how to put that into reality. Small steps. Very small steps. Yeah, always Do small chunks. Do one thing. Mm-hmm. Marginal yeah. gains. The law of marginal, marginal gains. Marginal gains, yeah. absolutely. So, Claire, one of the questions that did come in um, was... How to create a practice plan if you don't have a teacher? Yeah. Now that's that's quite a hard one because we 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 all start from different um, points. Mm. We've all some of us have got more experience previously than we have than others. Some are actually very good players as amateur players anyway. So how do you create that practice plan? Yeah, because it's different whether you're professional or semi-professional Absolutely, or amateur yeah. or, or a beginner. I'd say that a practice plan is a bit like a balanced diet. <laughs> yeah. And um, okay, give me the uh, five portions of the vegetables. <laughs> um, well, well, I certainly certainly get onto that. But I think first of all, don't let the position that you're in of not having a teacher influence your ability to practice well and effectively, mm-hmm. uh, because that's certainly not the case. Have a goal in mind. This is a bit like our plans for the year really so is it to learn a specific piece conquer a technical passage work for an exam or a concert and then think when is the best time for you and where is the best location so timing could be decided based on your energy levels during the day or work in a different profession are you a morning or an evening person and where is it an an area or room where there are no distractions where you can play at all volumes freely, and then have you got all sort of the equipment at the ready, your flute, music, music stand, pencil, notebook, water, metronome. And and the plan is also then dependent on your individual level. So if we look at professionals, the majority of professionals spend most of their practice time on exercises and drills to push their tone, technique, and articulation. So it's essential to keep in top shape in order to play the repertoire. Amateurs don't need this intensity of practice. A basic practice plan could be for 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 an enthusiastic amateur. Maybe start with a beautiful melody. Is that in, the postman? That's not the postman. That's Rolf coming in through the front door. So the dogs are very excited now. <laughs> um, so yeah, to start maybe with a uh, a beautiful melody in the low register. 
to get the muscles gently warmed up. And then find a mixture of tone exercises to help to develop all areas of your sound and vary them each day. Don't get stuck doing the same thing. I have a, a quote for you. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. This certainly applies to flute practice. <laughs> so vary what you do each day. And we're not talking about hours here. Mm-hmm. We're talking just enough to maintain your level and push it a little bit. So having done a few little warm-ups mm-hmm. with, a, with a beautiful melody, then play all the slow tunes in your repertoire pieces. Just do that, the slow tunes, and work at those to think about how you want to, to create the music, what sort of colours you want to use, getting the mood right, and then move on to fin- finger technique and have maybe a variety of finger exercises just to get the fingers moving, and then work on the technical passages in your repertoire pieces. So there's a link the warm-up of the technique, and then the technical passages. And you do exactly the same for articulation. So keep it varied, and that helps keep your interest and your enthusiasm. I would also, from a flute-playing perspective, urge you to take the opportunity at the start of a brand new year to assess whether your flute needs a service. Absolutely. Is there anything that's bugging you? Are you? Do you have any notes that don't come out crystal clear where as soon as you depress the tone hole? Do you, are you aware of any split pads? I, do you have any leaking keys? But to, yes, if you do, then begin by getting that booked into your local specialist repairer, flute repairer, mm. not a trumpet or trombone repairer, but flute repairer. And you will find that if you do that and then follow the course that you're suggesting, your improvement will be so much more clear and rapid yes uh, and also i would check if you're not sure uh, and you have a teacher just check with your teacher just to see if they think mm-hmm. that you might have some leaks sure. um, or if you've got any split pads and then get a quote from any oh, yeah. repairer that you mm-hmm. go to and get them to tell you exactly it is what they they need to do why they need to do it and how much that will cost. Because a service and overhaul can, well, overhaul especially when they, they need to change pads. I know it's expensive, but it can tra- totally transform your playing. Yeah, but not everyone needs a full flute service with all new pads. So no, 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 no. really got to be careful that uh, you, you have the, the work that's needed. So do you think it's like going to a garage with a car? And one garage say, oh... Sorry, love, you need uh, oh, you need a new engine or you need new Unfortunately, I think it, it can be like that sometimes. But all flutes need an overhaul. I remember when my, years, years ago when my flute was feeling a little bit sluggish and I took it to the wonderful Ian McLaughlin oh, yeah. at Just Flutes and he said, the rods inside your flute are rusty. <laughs> now, so I had not maintained my flute at all. I hadn't regularly oiled it i i'd I'd, clean it out after playing but i'd done nothing else and the rods are actually gone rusty um so that's the other extreme generally probably each year the flute your flutes if you play it a lot will need a little bit of a service so but take advice just so that you know great um we need to cover whilst we're here all our social media channels don't we because social media is such an important part in many people's lives and a lot of the top musicians are now entering into embracing social media and uh, are building up social media accounts quite quickly and using it as a forum to promote if they're doing concerts or they're doing performances. 
And um, why not better use this opportunity to tell people how to get in touch with us, purely to send us questions, because we love getting questions, don't we? Uh, absolutely. We, we want the co- your comments and your questions. And also, because of social media now, it's a great way of networking mm. and, and getting answers to things that you normally wouldn't have a, a place to go to to get those answers. Yeah, so to send us suggestions on future podcasts, but also questions that you'd like Claire to answer because nobody ever sends me a question which is quite a shame isn't it <laughs> uh, yeah yeah she's nodding she's nodding here um, you can send it to flutepodcasts at gmail.com or alternatively you can send a message on the Facebook page which is talking flutes. talking flutes or you can message my Instagram page which is at TJ flutes. Or you can get in touch with me on my Twitter page, my Twitter feed, which is at Flute. And mine is at Claire Flute. Eyeless Claire. C-L-A-R-E. Ah, that's the posh way, isn't at it? At Claire Flute. So there's various ways of actually getting in touch with, with us both. And people do. And what actually the process is, is I collate everything. And then I normally get an email from Claire saying, okay, what are the questions? And then I throw them down to Claire. And um, I normally get told off by cover- for covering some of the questions in my Talking Flutes Extra podcast that Claire's prepared for hers. But no, the social media certainly is a major part of certainly our lives and the, certainly the people, my children, and the, the gap between me and my kids. It forms a fundamental, almost platform for people's views and what you hear and what you research and it is a voice of good but is it also a voice of not good and I think the major thing that I'd like to point over to everybody this year is be aware that there are are things will be said that aren't necessarily nice um, but be prepared also to not really engage with negativity which social media can bring um, use it for the benefit of yourself whatever you put out um, technically be happy with it and be proud of it and if you're not don't put it out no and we've talked a lot uh, last year about mental health yeah mental health and we don't want anyone to put themselves in a situation where they're going to have their mental health damaged so be careful what you put out there and um, keep positive be nice, be kind to yourself. Yeah, and what you put out then, and that also includes your own comments, because if you put a comment up um, that is not necessarily supportive, or you're just being, as you feel, being totally honest, that can then generate a sub-feed, which then creates dialogue, which can turn quickly into negativity. And social media has this, whereas it can be a really nice place, nice bubble to be in, there's also that side of it that does affect mental health and mental health is i know it is for you um for your son who's a psychiatrist and also for my passion um and we'll cover that uh in a podcast coming up um on the happy flutist which is a a specific website that we set up for stressed flute players i know we're going to cover that but mental health for both of us is an important part of our well-being and social media has in my experience in the last 10 10 years has been a voice of good but also the voice of bad and how people it can drag people down and make them feel really really low yep and and our intention is 
to make people feel good about the flute. Yes, to give them information they might not know about the flute, and to chat to people who uh, you might never come across and hear their interesting stories. Yeah, and there's no measurables, is there? And that's the point. If you're going to put yourself on social media. Are you expecting a measure? And if you are, are you expecting a measure against others? Because you shouldn't be. You should be putting yourself out, out there and doing concerts and doing performances because it's you. And you are unique. And as soon as you start comparing yourself, then you apply these pressures and these stresses and mental health suffers. Yeah, and whatever you do, there's always going to be an awful lot of players who are better than you, an awful lot of players who are worse than you. And you have to just be confident about what you do and be confident of your own self-worth. And I remember something you said when you and Joe were talking in a previous podcast that you're, you be, you're very, I'm trying to think of the words, it's you're stronger asking for help than trying to sort it out yourself. So if you feel yourself going down uh, emotionally, I'm not talking about necessarily social media, it could be with your struggling over something in your flute practice or you're studying, you're struggling with sort of an emotional state you are at the moment. It, you are a stronger person for asking for help than not. And that's the same if it's a technical problem in terms of your development, reach out and ask us because that's what we're hopefully here for. Yeah, and I would say most teachers would understand, wouldn't they? Mm. But you have to, I think it's being open. I think, the younger, don't you find the younger generation now more open because mental health is a much more, it, it, it is more a realistic issue rather than physical health, mental health. It's a recognised issue and people talk about it much more freely. There's not a stigma anymore. No, and there's various differences in levels of depression, aren't there? There's the very, very low and then there's the... I mean, we, I think we all get highs and lows, don't we? Well, sometimes it can just be a little trigger that can set you on a downward spiral. And, and that's, that's, that's one of the problems we have. We have to think about uh, ways of getting distracted to start building up our strength again. So New Year's resolution, I would urge you all to take note of your mental well-being. Put it at the forefront, equal to your flute practice. And Claire's nodding here. Because if you're aware and in tune of your mental health, then you can adjust your practice and your study accordingly. Mm. And if you've got a piece that always makes you feel happy, make that your warm-up piece, especially when you're feeling low. Yeah. Yeah, you threw that one in. I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah. What, was your, what would be your happy piece? Um. Oh, there are so many. Um, Bore's elegy. It's actually quite somber. It's a I'm saying it it's happy. It's not a happy piece, but it it makes me feel good. It's, oh right. It's got such richness and warmth, and um, so it's, it's somber, I suppose. But it's a really beautiful, beautiful melody. Oh, mine would be Bach Bedinnery. Uh huh. You need to have your fingers and 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 articulation in good in nah, good form for that. No, nah, because if you play it bad, you can just laugh, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it would always be something something slow. I mean, there are, there are so many beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful melodies, but you have to find the one that is good for you. I remember in an earlier podcast you were talking about. Um, that was a long time ago. You were talking about choosing some music if you're talking about emotions that. 
link to an emotion that you had with that music. Yeah. So obviously that piece would probably have a positive uh, emotion for you, wouldn't it? Mm. Yep, yep. Um, so that's it. each to their own. So mental health, make sure you put it at the forefront of your so your life for the whole year. And if you find yourself struggling, always tell somebody. And don't be embarrassed because there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Claire, there's a question here. And it's concerned concerns open G sharp, the open G sharp key, the open G sharp mechanism. And it is one that um, normally, uh, you, you and I both have this, uh, we, we bat this subject around, but our te- my technical director, David, is, an, is a, a complete advocate of the open G-sharp mechanism. Um, for me, my eyes start to get heavy and I start to snore because is there a place for open G-sharp anymore? Do, is, is anyone actually playing open G-sharp? Okay, well, there's, there are so many ways to answer this. Uh, yeah, and, oh, um, if you should. So it, open G-sharp was the original Boehm system. Yeah. And it's really when it came over to... To, he brought it over to France and England that uh, players didn't they, they adapted his 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 scheme of the keys but they didn't like the fact they had to change uh, the, the G-sharp fingering so they changed it to a closed G-sharp fingering so Bohm's uh, thought process was the fact that uh, the more keys that were open and the larger the holes on the flute the louder it would be and that by having all the keys below the first hole open as far as possible, this reduces the covering effect, the smothering effect. So open, open holes and all the keys sprung open. The only difference there is the D-sharp key, which is sprung closed, but we basically have our little finger on that all the time. So it's still the flute is all open. Right, this question's come from a Jules Maddington from Instagram. So you have all the keys open. I will say here, the G-sharp lever mm. it is attached to the second G key. There isn't, a, there isn't a hole in the back of the flute, is there? No. Um, and then, so if you look at that further, there are three sort of problems with the closed G-sharp system. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is what most people play. First of all, it's illogical. Because uh, when you're going from G to G-sharp, you put a key down to go up. Yeah, you put your little finger in. Finger Whereas, yeah. yeah, but on an open G-sharp flute, you've put fingers down to go down. So it's logical. Mm-hmm. Fingers go down to go down, fingers come up to go up. Logical. On a closed G-sharp flute, uh, the toppy is more difficult, because and it often splits. And you have to put in either a, a splitty mechanism or, or a ring on the, on the, on, on the A-hole. And... The closed G-sharp mechanism is also more complicated. So it's easier for things to go wrong. All right. right. So they're the sort of uh, the downsides of, of closed G-sharp. So for me, wh- when I changed, it was... I changed because it, it was a glorious flute and I couldn't put it down. Mm-hmm. And it took me very little time to change over. But for me, I love the fact that it's logical, that it's the, the keys are open so that the... The feeling of the flute, of, of the te- uh, in terms of technique, is is much easier. It flows better, and um, there are many, many players using no. the open G sharp system. No. It is mainly restricted to professional players. Okay. Apart from uh, Joe, my son, he plays open G sharp. Um, but if so many professional players play it, that alone should tell you that it must be a good system. For example, 
the lovely Jeffrey Gilbert. He was an yeah. MG Sharp flute player. William Bennett. His wife, Mitchie Bennett. Dennis Borikoff. Dennis plays MG Sharp. Yeah, Los Angeles Symphony yeah. Orchestra. Moshe Epstein. Uh, Robin Chapman, piccolo at the London Philharmonic Orchestra. Keith Bragg, principal piccolo of the Philharmonia. Elmer Cole, ex-English uh, National Opera Orchestra. Simon Hunt. Frank Nolan, ex-principal piccolo of the London Symphony Orchestra. Daniel Palethorpe, principal of the BBC Symphony Orchestra. Me. <laughs> I didn't really want to put myself with all those wonderful names. Uh, Elizabeth Walker. Richard Davis, who was principal of the BBC Philharmonic mm-hmm. Orchestra. Uh, David Haslam, mm-hmm. uh, Northern Symphonia. Um, in the States, Julia Berry in Massachusetts. Uh, Tim Lane of Wisconsin. Uh, Richard Dalton of Virginia. Uh, Shaul Ben Meyer, Michigan. Hubert Laws, California. Um, Hubie Laws? Yeah. Uh, wow. Agita Arista, who's the f- wife of Miguel Arista, the flute maker. Right. Uh, Alexander Murray. Of course, was yeah. ex-principal of the of the LSO. So I'm, I'm almost getting there, 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 there coming yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's a great system, and lots of players use it. So I'm delighted that you are making so open G uh, sharp it's, it's, it's not through my choice. I must say, it's through the passion of our technical director. Maybe you should try it. I do, I, I do, but it just it kills me. Well, maybe you should give it a little bit longer. But Why does br- it kill you? It works because it, it is logical because the, the B and the A are the same. Mm. The G, you put all your thing left hand down. Mm. And then the G sharp, you take one off. Yeah, to go and up. Then, yeah, and you go down. So it works if you go slowly. But because I've, I've been so, I think, conditioned in the closed system mm. that um, as soon as I start to go faster, my, my brain just can't Yeah, well, of compute. course, that will be th- the case. But I think if you, if you play something slow... And just get used to the feel. Um, I think you'll be eventually won over. Well, I, I think you've been in cohorts with our technical director, David. In that, um, yes, we are we are developing one. One is ready for launch this year. And it, what we've done, because normally you can get Open G Sharp flutes, but they're only made by the top brands. And, they, and on request. On request, yes. Um, and we're making one that is going to be very affordable. In fact, that so affordable it will be at the starter flute price. That's fantastic. I hope my son's listening to this. <laughs> Joe, you need to get one of these flutes. Yeah, and, and you know, we, we're, make, we're having a run, and I'm just, I'm open to it. From a marketing perspective, I'm really not sure who would embrace it, whether people think, do you know, let's have a look. Because Javi's also, and he's got this passion at Brosseraf Sharp, which goes back to obviously... Mm. Um, Rudy Cart, and he's a man on a mission. Do you know? Perhaps I'm just old. Perhaps I'm just set in my ways. Well, we are. We are, we've all been a bit brainwashed because we've all all started, generally speaking, on closed G sharp flutes, and there hasn't been an alternative. And for me, in my my career, it was always difficult trying to find that next flute because I'd have to I'd have to search or, or have one made. But I think if we, some of these flutes being made and some teachers take it on board um, and see the benefits of it, then it could go somewhere. And that's why making one very affordable. Yeah. And you know, and you, you look at all these professional flute players playing it. Yes. And so it must say something. And you always know if a flute's open G sharp because it doesn't have a G sharp key at the back. 
There's not an opening on the back no, of the flute. but you don't have the problems associated with closed G-sharp, like the splitting in the third octave. Got you. And you've got... That's actually um, true, which, yeah. is a, which is really important. So you've got less things on the flute that can go wrong, because often that splitty mechanism can go wrong. So And it's the original Boehm system, and he knew it worked. Well, from a manufacturing and branding basis, it's unusual for us to let our technical director go off on one. And But we're just going to give him a bit of rope on this to explore. Yeah. I think the clue is in the name. Your technical director. He <laughs> must know something. I mean, you know, he, he obviously knows. Intelligent man. And let's, uh, let's encourage it as much as possible. Well, he's part of the nerd factory downstairs at our place. <laughs> <laughs> With all these technical people that know how to work these machines and they're... Oh, I'm, I'm getting the... Sh- She's not impressed at all. I'm getting the shaking head here. <laughs> no, they wear those funny glasses, you know, that magnify everything, and then they they, they use very t- okay. Yeah, we'll 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 go with it. But we're we're going to put it out at Nam, and we're going to run with it this year. And you know, we're going to see, and it's something you, we can do because we're a small enough com- uh, company to be able to say, actually, this goes back to the original flute playing. Yeah. And and so everyone should try one. You know, if you go to a, um, uh, flute conventions or flute days where this is going to be. Uh, available to try, give it a try. Oh, Pete's, um, that's not Pete, is it? That's Minnie, Minnie Minnie's dreaming. She's dreaming, yeah, that was the noise you just heard. She's not barking like on a podcast a couple of months ago. Yes, <laughs> that was, was that the postman again? <laughs> Might have been. <laughs> so Open G Shop, that's, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting one, Jules, and, you know, around this table, Claire will say she'd be a passionate advocate of this flute. Me coming from not having played one apart from the prototype that we're making at the moment. Um, I'm sat on the other side of the fence, and I think ultimately it is what the public make of it and what teachers make of it. it, is, it I, I have to admit it's very logical, and I'll take your word for that the more you play, the easier it becomes. Of course it does. And I know you can go from open G-sharp to closed G-sharp very quickly. That always amazes me, how your brain can switch from the left hand sort of doing one thing on one flute and the left hand doing one thing on another. It's like tapping your head and um, rubbing your tummy at the same time. Possibly. Swapping it over. It's but not as difficult as you make it sound, though. It's always just me. So Open G Sharp, um, this time next year, we can, have this, we can have a discussion to see whether it's worked or not. Yeah, everyone should give it a go. Yeah, and that's why we're making it cheap enough. We're going to make it so that it is affordable to people that want to experiment in the next few weeks Claire well looking at the schedule and in the next week we have and then Talking Flutes Extra Podcast we are going to talk about the Happy Flutist which we mentioned earlier which is our little um, our little adjunct website for those that just need some musical help that's I'll leave it at that but it's our celebrating music Celebrating our little imperfections and promoting positive self-help. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be talking about. Very useful and they sound lovely. They're, they do sound lovely. And uh, it's part of the year that we're going to be pushing it. The website's been up now for since the NFA for about four months. And it's doing very well. Now we want to um, just push it out to a wider audience. Basically to say, it's here. If you need some music to listen to, it's here. But more in detail next week. Thanks for inviting me down, Claire. You're very welcome. Good uh, to see you. And yeah, Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to everybody else. Uh, what have you got coming up? You on holiday? Any plans? Um, we, we are going away, actually, uh, John Paul. We're 
having a little trip to South Africa. Oh, wow. Mm. So a little bit of, of winter sunshine. So it's a great luxury and I'm very much looking forward to it. Same timeline as London, isn't it? So Yes, about an hour or two different. Yeah. But temperature, very different. I'm, I'm green already. So whilst I'm suffering in the English snow and bad weather, you're going to be down at the bottom of the globe. I am, and that's that's the next thing in my diary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you once again, Claire, for inviting me down. Thank you to Pete and Minnie for. There we go. Yeah, we got we got the bark. We got the bark, and um, look forward to coming down again soon. Yep, I'm very happy if we want any of our listeners want to get involved in yes. talking flutes. Write in and tell us your stories. We'd be really happy to, to read them and talk to you. Yeah, email us at um, flutepodcast at gmail.com. We're quite happy to dial in and have a, a short chat with you. And we can do it at a time that could be convenient for everybody. So, yeah, email in and we'd love to include you all in future podcasts. That's going to be fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be great fun. Great. Thank you once again, Claire, and thank you to everybody else. Yep, bye for now. Wishing you a great week ahead and may your C-sharp be incredibly in tune. Bye-bye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.